Shalom. It's good to be with you. It's, well, thank you for praising God for having me in your midst. I feel honored, seriously. It's, uh, it's indeed a blessing to be with you. Thank you for prayers. Thank you for uh, supporting our ministry. Thank you for having us in your hearts. And uh, some of you asked me about a uh, new picture for the prayer letters that we send. I send the new picture, and in the next newsletter, uh, prayer letter, there should be new picture, but the prayer letter is not going to be mine, but was probably going to be signed by the president of Chosen People Ministries because I forgot to send the prayer letter. <laughs> Don't be too uh, harsh to me in this regard. <laughs> I just, uh, there are so many things going on in, uh, in Germany these days and in Berlin with us. Uh, the week uh, I supposed to send the prayer letter, if I would like to be on time, uh, there, was, uh, there was a, I would say, a mini revival in Berlin, and I will, I will just try to tell you what I mean by that. Two weeks ago, we were planning for, like, Pentecost for, uh, for Shavuot and Pentecost the same day. We were planning a baptism at our congregation with three people. The last baptism at our congregation was, I would say, a couple of years ago, maybe like two years ago. We always share the gospel. We do the best we can to teach, to disciple. Finally, three people <laughs> to be baptized. <laughs> Such a blessing. I'm speaking on Saturday, preaching at the congregation, and I tell uh, to the congregation, you know, it was not planned. I, was just, I just felt like telling that. If you became a believer and have not being baptized yet. Come to me after the service. And six people came. So we had nine people on the next day. They became believers mostly at our congregation. And now just imagine this group. It was the first baptism at, the, uh, at our Messianic Center there. We don't have a baptisterium or anything inside building, but the weather was good. So for the first time, we decided to buy, you know, like air uh, uh, swimming pool, you know, like <laughs> put it on, uh, on our lake lot. <laughs> so nine people were jumping into the water and most of them were Jewish or are Jewish and, represent, and represented several languages like Russian, Ukrainian, German, Spanish, French. It's just from all possible countries. It was like multicultural uh, and multi-ethnic uh, baptism. Unexpected. You know what? As I was speaking there at the baptism, we had a good crowd of people, and we had a barbecue right after. So it was like a party outside. The weather was good, and what, what better you could do on Shavuot on Pentecost? Having party 
baptism party. Anyway, uh, I just was reminded that our first baptism in back in 1996, as we was just we were just pioneering the messianic movement in Germany, the first baptism in the messianic congregation since the Holocaust happened, we had also nine people. And for me, it was like, wow, it's like a new beginning. We were done with the baptism. And the very next day, several people approached me to be baptized again. So I told, uh, I told to the one who is helping us to, to blow this uh, swimming pool and to fill it with the water. Uh, so are we... <laughs> Are we up for another baptism just a week or two later? He said, a good man, he said, well, God celebrates. We should join him in this celebration. So uh, there are more baptisms coming. It's exciting. I mean, uh, last time I was, uh, I was here, I, I told you that we are, our focus, even working among Ukrainian refugees, is shifting toward uh, addressing their spiritual needs, counseling, sharing the gospel, discipleship. We are bearing the fruits of that, even now. It brought some revival, this like revitalizing of the ministry in general. Well, I'm looking forward uh, for, to see what God is going to do that uh, in the next future. And you know, for the first time since a couple of years, I'm excited to be in Berlin again. <laughs> I, just, I always loved my ministry there, but now it's just like, wow, that's like something new. The Spirit of God is at work there. It's exciting. Anyway, uh, I don't want to take too much time with my report uh, from what I was going to share. And now, what I'm going to share, now we are like laughing, smiling. What I'm going to share is not going to be too funny. I'm sorry. I'm just like a little bit, you know me. Uh, Ryan knows me good. Uh, I'm a little bit provocative. I like challenging, uh, challenging <laughs> sermons or whatever. Uh, so I told him this morning that I'm going to speak about something, and he thought that I'm kidding. No, <laughs> but anyway, I was kidding. Uh, but I'm messing with him anyway. I couldn't resist. Sorry. Uh, but the thing, uh, the, uh, the thing is, I was struggling with this subject. Should I uh, teach it here uh, this morning or not? And then I came to the, uh, to the worship service. So how you call it traditional worship, right? So uh, there is a contemporary and traditional. I'm Jewish, so where am I going? Tradition. So I'm going to traditional, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I came to the traditional service, and... Uh, I was astounded. I was just like positively surprised as Chuck Swindle was reading from Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. I was just like, really? And then he's, uh, and he was speaking something what actually lays the foundation, coincidentally, quote-unquote, lays the foundation for what I was going to say this, uh, this morning in the class. And just like, wow. <laughs> Praise God, now I feel better. 
so he was speaking about the grace, about the prodigal son coming back and no probation, just embrace. And uh, I want to talk about God's grace also today. But let me do one step further. And just imagine you attend a good church, a big church. And I'm not talking about Stonebriar. Okay, just imagine, imaginary church. And there is a great pastor, not as great uh, as Jack Swindle, but, but a great pastor who wrote many books and he's so, uh, he's so skilled in preaching and he's led by the Holy Spirit and he's, he loves the Lord and you enjoy going to this church. It's a great fellowship. And suddenly... They find out that the pastor is dependent on some drugs. How would you feel? What would you think about this pastor? How would you react? Okay, he would, uh, he would go through a rehabilitation, prayer. He would step down. But a couple years later, he's willing to come back. Would you receive him? How about his legacy? How about his books? Now, another story. There is, a, like, just imagine, a great evangelist and apologist. Just a great man of God with a huge mission organization, international uh, mission organization. Uh, everybody is just like impressed by him, learns from him, admires him, respects him. He has, he has written many books. Well, he dies. And big man of God speaking at his funeral and say such great words about him. And just shortly after, they find out that he was just in his senior age loving some women. What, how would you react? What would our Christianity here in the Western world do to the, with this man? Well, he never repent. We don't know. But he's dead. He's, I believe, with the Lord because salvation is by faith through grace, not by works. But anyway, it's another, it's another story. Uh, but what would the Christian world do? Push his ministry to close. Took his, uh, take, to take his books from the bookstores. Destroy the legacy. Now, imagine you support a missionary, and I'm not talking about myself, okay? But you support a missionary, and you send generous support, but suddenly you find out that this missionary abused the money. Just the money are not used the way you donate this money to him. How would you feel if he repents, apologizes, etc.? Would you continue support him? It's a question. I just don't answer this question. Just think about it for a second. How would we react? Would we still be proud that we have been supporting him for a number of years? Would we still be, uh, would we still be happy about having their family picture on the prayer wall? Just think about these questions. 
I could continue this list. As I was person, just something personal, I'm just, I don't mind to share personal things. Uh, I went, uh, I was going through like a time of some challenges in my life. And my, uh, and my friend told me, don't do anything stupid because it would destroy your ministry and it would destroy your legacy in the ministry. And I just like, well, no pressure. Does it help? Not necessary. But anyway, uh, let me look at some examples from, uh, in the Bible, okay? Romans chapter 11. No, the Romans, sorry. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the men of faith, right? And women of faith there as well. Oh, by the way, while you're turning there, I forgot to tell what is very customary today, namely, Happy Father's Day. Happy Grandfather's Day. Happy Grand Grandfather's Day. <laughs> As appropriate for the room. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I hope you already uh, opened uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And I will look through there, like, through the beginning. Now face from verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it is the man of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is sin was not made out of things which are visible. And then by faith, Abel offered to God a, bet, a better sacrifice than Cain. And just I will jump over some things like by faith, for verse 5, by faith Enoch uh, was uh, taken up so that he would not uh, see death. And, uh, and then, uh, and then uh, verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen in not seen, in rever reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his house called, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So far, so good. Let me stop for a second. Noah, righteous by faith, an example of faith. Do you remember what happened to Noah after the flood? He planted a vineyard. Do you remember? He, yeah, and then he drank some wine. So much that he was just absolutely down and naked. Now, imagine a mega church pastor <laughs> found on the street, drunk and naked. Would you go to a church? Probably not, even if it happened once. Noah is in this list. God never took him out of the list of the righteous by faith. He is still an example. And we try not to think of Noah naked and drunk. 
I hope you start to understand my point, right? God looks at people from a different standpoint than we do in our Western Christianity. For him to receive a prodigal son, it's like written in the, uh, in, uh, in the Proverbs. Foolish and evil is the one who reminds his brother about his transgressions. Let's continue. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Oh, by faith. Yeah, he went by faith. For sure. Great man. Abraham, Avinu, our father. Great. Uh, and he is the father of everybody who is in faith, right? Then one day, he was going with his wife and with his family to Egypt. Do you remember? And his wife was very beautiful. She was like about 70 years old, but she was such a beauty. Uh, And uh, he said, listen, don't tell that you are my wife. Tell that you are my sister. What was partially true, but just for them not to kill me. They came, he told, uh, they told that it's uh, Abraham's uh, sister. What the Pharaoh did, he took her into his house. And Abraham, and it was just on her behalf, Abraham was doing well. It's written that, so actually he just sort of sold his wife to the Pharaoh. And God had to intervene in order for... uh, for Egypt not be, to be cursed. So that, what have you done? Abraham, why did you do it for, to us? Look, Abraham, an example of faith, just pushed his wife. Just, now, imagine a great evangelist doing something like that. Would you read the books of this evangelist? I don't know. It's, it's for you to decide. But God looks at him at this a little bit from a little bit different perspective now uh, by faith Abraham uh, just by faith he lived in as an alien in the land of promise and then uh, by uh, well do you remember Abraham uh, he believed in the promise of God but as his wife Sarah told him take Hagar sleep with her and make me babies through her He was just fine with that. This great man of faith. And then as Sarah told him, just send them away. Well, God confirmed that to him. But he did. Great man of faith. I mean, he was great man of faith. But he was the same human as all of us are. Okay, let's continue. By faith, verse 11, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. I love uh, Hebrews 11, because it's in some passages contradicts to the Torah. I mean, it complements from a different perspective. Because if I remember correctly, 
In Genesis 18, as the angel of the Lord came on, the God visited Abraham. Sarah was listening to the conversation, and as, uh, as God said that, that she will have a child, Sarah was just like, <laughs> Isaac. The, the meaning of the name is a laugh, because Sarah laughed at that. <laughs> I'm old, she said, and my husband is not capable any longer. So both of us, we are just, it's not possible. <laughs> Where is faith? I love the book of Hebrews because it washes our patriarchs clean. They were good. They were great men of faith, but they have been humans as all of us. And God is gracious enough to keep them on this list of the faithful with a great legacy in spite of some horrible things they did. And then we see here uh, some other, uh, other great men and women of God. But also we, uh, we see like uh, uh, Isaac blessing his, uh, his sons who, were, uh, who tricked him actually. Do you remember the wives? They were lying to their husbands. Husbands, do you like your wives uh, lying to you? It's just, no, nobody does. Faithful women, good wives, they were occasionally tricking and lying to their husbands. And still they are on this list. Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden. By, uh, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And, uh, and he, con uh, he wanted to be like a Messiah for the, uh, for, uh, the people of Israel. By f uh, verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Uh, uh, well, we know the story. He killed the man. He got scared. He left Egypt. He was a man. That's the Moses, actually, in this list. The Moses who was actually trying argue, to argue with God not to send him to Egypt. He was meaning, it's fine for me to be a shepherd here. I have wife, sons. I, I have my life taken care of. I don't want to go to, uh, back to Egypt to uh, lead the people out of Egypt. Do you remember? I'm not speaking well. I'm just I'm a little bit handicapped with speech, etc. So just he was he was not he was lying to God, but still, it's not always he's an example of faith. Now think of a missionary doing like this. Would you support this missionary, Moses? I'm not sure. But just think about it. It's Moses who never made it to the land of promise. Why? Because of his pride. Because of his arrogance, as God said. And this Moses is still on this list of a great men and women of faith. Because God looks at, this, at the people different than we do in many cases. He looks at us and each of you differently than you even can look at yourself. 
And then we, uh, we read, uh, verse 32 and following. And what more shall I say for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the age of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put, uh, put uh, foreign armies to flight. Women received back their de uh, dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. And, and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown into, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Now, I, I take a pause. And I want to emphasize something in the verse 38. It's written, men and women of whom the world was not worthy. Now, think of Noah drunk and naked. Think of Moses, afraid and proud. Think of Abraham selling his wife and sending out his, uh, his child. Think of why Sarah who doubt God's word. Think of wives lying to their husbands. Think of all this. Now, there is a David in the list. And David is the prototype of the Messiah. The Messiah, the eschatological king, is the king of, like David. Do you remember something about David? He served God with all his heart. But once, maybe not once, but at least it's recorded once. He was walking on the roof in the evening. And he saw women, Bathsheba, bathing. I'm not going to, t uh, to teach now what he should do at that moment. Like, for example, go back to your room or just keep guard your eyes or whatever. He saw that woman. He took her. Do you remember the story? Or should I read it? It's like, uh, it's Second Samuel chapter 11. Also 11, Second Samuel 11. So just keep it in mind. Uh, so he, saw, uh, he took her, and it's written immediately. He took her, he slept with her. She got pregnant. She sent a message to him. I'm pregnant. And David, oh, what have I done? It's so horrible. I'm such a sinner. I need to apologize to the country, right? No. He sends a message to, uh, to, uh, to the general, to his general, to send the husband of Bathsheba back to Jerusalem. Why? For him to go to his wife 
for everything to look like David is white and cuddly and has nothing to do with this pregnancy. Do you remember the story? It didn't work. Her husband was a good and godly man. So what David did? He sent the word to his general to kill this man with the hands of the enemies. And the man was killed. And after mourning of, uh, of her husband, Bathsheba became the wife of David. And the son was born. And the chapter 11 ends with the words. And it was what David did, a great evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's the king of David who served God with the whole heart. Soon after, God sent the prophet to David to rebuke him, to tell him that he, is, uh, he did sin and uh, did horrible thing. David repented. And he repented in the way it's written in the Psalms. But now, keep about, uh, like, think of a great evangelist and apology who does something like that. Adultery, lying, and murdering. And then he says, God, forgive me. And you read his books, and you, uh, and you follow him, and you uh, listen to his broadcast. Yes? I doubt that. I really do. Because that's not what we do in this society, Christian society where we live in. We don't forgive people their transgression, especially if the people are like a prominent believers. Maybe some of you do. But what I observe in the Christianity in general, if somebody fails, a fallen angel, we just kill him or her. That's what we usually do. And I'm sorry for that. I, I think that it's not the way God treats that all. Because David is still the king as the Messiah. Still considered as the one who uh, lived, uh, uh, loved the Lord with whole his heart. The Psalms of David are still in the Bible. God never took it out of the Bible. What David did was great evil. It was horrible sin. That all was horrible sin. And God named it by name. But God never chased David out of his plan, out of his promise, out of the list of the righteous man. When I read it, I cannot understand it because I'm such a typical, I would say, messianic or Christian, like all of us, forgetting, forgiving, Mm, difficult. There are three books in the Bible that attributed to uh, one great man. Solom uh, Solomon. Do you remember this great man 
wisdom. He asked God for wisdom. He got so much wisdom. Everybody was coming to him to listen of his wisdom. He had uh, the book of Proverbs or parts of the book of Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes attributed at least to par, in parts uh, to Solomon. Do you know about the Solomon, the story uh, in First Kings chapter 11? I don't know why. That's, it's just coincidence. I don't see any spiritual, deep spiritual uh, meaning in all this. But if you, if you would, look with me at chapter, uh, chapter 11 of First uh, Kings. Verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. And then there are listed different nations from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away from their gods. Solomon held fast, uh, fast to this in love. Verse 3 just knocks me down. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Wow. What the... I mean, like a superman. Sometimes I'm challenged to deal with one wife. This guy had 1,000. Now, Just imagine a mega church pastor like that, or a prominent, <laughs> prominent preacher, thousand wives, concubines. What would you feel? How would you think about it? But that's not all. It's written in verse three and uh, end of this verse. And his wives turned his heart away. Uh, verse four, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. Now, two things. Solomon was an idolater. He abandoned the God of Israel for the sake of other gods. In the end of his life, Let's take the book of Proverbs out of the Bible and burn it. Right? No. Because God looks at that differently. Solomon's legacy was not destroyed. And it's, he is still King Solomon. I cannot understand that. But sometimes they call it grace. And it's grace not just to Solomon. It's grace uh, to a mega church pastor, to a great evangelist, to a missionary, to me, to you. God treats us this way. He forgives. He receives. Sometimes we are so quick to judge. It's what Yeshua, uh, Jesus meant 
Why are you looking at a small piece of wood in the eye of somebody and don't see a whole tree in your eye? We're so quick. But God is not like this. He knows what the forgiveness means. Our ministry, our godly life is never in vain. If you do a foolish thing, you can repent. But whatever foolish thing you do, it will never erase you from the book of life in Yeshua and Jesus. It will never erase you from the list. We all humans, we do stupid things. And God knows how to forgive. And I love this God. And I love Jesus because of that. And let me uh, finish the uh, Hebrews chapter 11 now. Verse 39 and verse 40. And all this, on this list, and even more, and all this, having gained approval through their face. Wait a second. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, David. Having gained approval through their face, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. It's a cloud of witnesses. As the the next chapter begins, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua, Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Not with the fear. with joy, with faith, by grace, by grace alone in Jesus be the whole glory. Amen. Thank you, you, Vladimir. It It was a great message. What a blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.